High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13, a fire shall always be burning on the altar and it shall never go out. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, that even as I minister this word this morning, you will anoint my tongue as that of a ready and skillful writer to speak forth your words of life, exhortation, edification, and comfort to your people. I thank you, Father God, you have something you are speaking to us as a body today. I thank you for all of us in this room today. You will anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our spirit to respond to what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says, Amen. If you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, Dad began to minister this message entitled, Keep the Fire. Somebody shout, Keep the Fire. How many of you were here a couple weeks ago whenever he ministered the first part of this? All right. You can kind of see what happens here is God is giving uh, an order. He is giving structure. He is giving uh, um, a, a command that on the altar there shall be a fire that is continually going for burnt offerings. There shall be a fire that is continually going for burnt offerings. How many of you know that we don't necessarily have a temple or a tabernacle anymore where we keep burnt offerings going and there is a fire that is to be kept on the altar. There isn't some secret room in the church where there is a continual fire going on. But what happens now in the new covenant, as new covenant believers, the altar is now positioned in our heart. So the command, I don't believe, has changed. That there is still to be a fire on the altar, and the fire is to never be extinguished. The difference is now the fire is not a physical thing in a physical place, but it is in a spiritual realm in our hearts, in our spirits, where there is supposed to be a fire that is continually burning for the Lord. How many ever heard this phrase before? It's, it's a good old charismatic Pentecostal phrase. They're just on fire for God. How many ever heard? How many ever said something like that? Listen, I, I, I get the sentiment, I understand, but it really shouldn't be something we say in some sort of extraordinary way or extraordinary measure. If you are a believer, your heart is called to be burning for the Lord. Being on fire should not be an anomaly. It should be the normal. The bigger anomaly should be seeing people who don't burn with fire for God. That should be the anomaly. Whenever we come into church, there shouldn't be that one person you look at it and go, man, they're really on fire for God. It should be a room full of people that we look at and we go, this entire church, this entire community, every person in there is just on fire for God and they are burning for him with everything inside of them. Now, I want you to hear me. As Christians, we're called to live with a fire on the altar. Your fire was intended to continue burning. And get this, every single person has the personal responsibility to keep your fire burning. I'm going to say that again. Every single person 
has the personal responsibility to keep your fire burning. It is not my responsibility to keep your fire burning. It is not the worship team's responsibility to keep your fire burning by doing your favorite song every week. If you're a youth in here, it is not Pastor Garrett's responsibility to keep your fire burning. It is not the responsibility of a conference to keep your fire burning. You know whose responsibility it is? It is the priest's responsibility to keep the fire burning. And in the New Testament, we've all been made kings and priests unto God. Which means this, it is your responsibility to keep the altar of your heart with a fire burning for God. A lot of times we think, well, I'm just not on fire anymore, so somebody's just not doing a good job keeping my fire lit. It is your responsibility to steward your fire. Now, certainly as ministers, as pastors, right? We are, we are charged with creating an environment, with giving you the tools, with teaching you the things that you need to do in order to keep your fire burning and keep it stewarded. And the church said, Amen. But at the end of the day, we equip and then you keep the fire burning in your own heart and in your own life. I've seen physical altars filled, seen lives changed, seen people that were in bondages and in chains actually made free, actually walk in liberty, actually be on fire for God. But too often that fire is seasonal and it is not continual because what we oftentimes being on fire for God is nothing more than an emotional response to a moment. Let's say it again. Oftentimes what we call being on fire for God is nothing more than an emotional response to a moment. And by the way, let me clarify, there is nothing wrong with having an emotional response in a moment. God created your emotions, right? So there's nothing wrong if you are touched by the Lord for that to, for that to fuel emotion. But it cannot just stay at emotion. Emotion must become a discipline. We don't like that word in the church. We don't like the word discipline. We don't like words like healthy habits. Because what we want is a feeling. What we often want is somebody to wave a, a, the proverbial spiritual magic wand over our life and fix all of our problems and make our hearts on fire and make everything go away. And oftentimes that's not the way it works. It happens through disciplined living. What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined one. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you must become a disciplined one. We have to graduate past the place of needing to be revived every third week. We have to graduate past the place of going, if I can just make it to the next moment where somebody can lay hands on me, I know that I'm going to be on fire for God and everything and all my problems are going to go away until next time and on Tuesday when I have problems again. Right? We have to get past the place. Can we just be really, really honest? If we are living from moment to moment, from high to high, because there are a lot of people that are spiritual junkies and they live from spiritual high to spiritual high to spiritual high and they haven't learned to be disciplined. Y'all are shouting me down real good this morning. I tell you what, it's gotten real quiet in here. 
Sometimes the messages that make us shout, as a matter of fact, almost always the messages that make us shout the least are the messages we need to hear the most. Because it means it's something striking something in us where our toes might be being stepped on a little bit. Something we need to hear, right? We have to become disciplined. We will never see the world revived if we can't live in a sustained place of being on fire for God. We want to see the world on fire and we are on fire on Sunday and then Monday we're right back where we were the previous week. We have to live in a place where we live with sustained relationship with God. Sustained fire that is burning on the altar. So today, and dad's going to minister on this, uh, that's the plan, next week as well. But today I want to give you a couple of principles to keep the fire burning in your life. I want to give you a couple principles to keep the fire burning in your life. And I want you to hang with me because these are really, in a lot of ways, these are elementary principles. But they're things that if we don't get the building blocks right, if we don't get the foundation right, right? Whenever you are learning math, you can't learn algebra until you learn addition and subtraction. If you try to go to the advanced things and you haven't mastered the simple things, you're never going to be able to do the advanced things. There's a lot of people that want to raise the dead, but they can't just master the simple things. There's a lot of people who want to go into hospitals and empty them out, but they can't master the simple things. There's a lot of people who want these absolute grandiose things. And by the way, I'm for that, by the way. Can the church say amen? I'm for great and powerful and marvelous signs, wonders, and miracles. God wants to do those things. But oftentimes, we haven't mastered the elementary things, and thusly, we can't progress up further and higher. So the first thing is this, to keep your fire burning, is to embrace community. The first thing to do in order to keep the fire burning is embrace community. To keep the fire burning... You have to surround yourself with people who are also tending the fire in their own lives. Let me put it this way. You can't be on fire surrounded by a bunch of wet blankets. You have to surround yourself with people who are also on fire for God. We could also really simply put it this way. You need to get in church. You need to get in church. Psalm 92, very familiar to all of us probably in this room if you're part of high praise. If you've been a part of high praise for any length of time, it says this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. There is flourishing that happens in your life when you are planted in God's house. Flourishing means this, that you will prosper and you will grow both spiritually and naturally. When we view the church rightly, which that's important, that we view the church rightly, it gives us an environment to stoke the flame of our hearts. But you have to view the church and you have to view community rightly. First of all, let me give you a couple of things you need to view rightly. First of all, the church is the bride of Christ. There's a lot of, I've heard, I've heard people say this before, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. It's really difficult for you to say you love the groom, but you don't love the bride. 
If someone came up to me after service and went, Pastor Joshua, I just think you're amazing. I think you're incredible. I love you so much. You're absolutely just phenomenal. You're the best pastor on the face of the planet. And I've never heard anyone preach better than you and da-da-da-da-da. But your wife, I can't stand her. Say what? (laughs) There are no amount of words that you can say about how great I am that makes up for what you just said about my bride. And there's a lot of people that talk about how much they love Jesus, but simultaneously then turn around and talk about how much they dislike his bride. And here you go, well, pastor, you have to understand that the church universal is the bride of Christ. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. But what do you think a local church is? It is a microcosm of the bride. It is a representation of the bride of Christ. And I don't know why in the world we think we can love the church, but hate the church. Well, praise God. You have to view the church rightly, right? Well, you don't understand. There's people in there that, that are fake. Doesn't stop you from going to work. You send your kids to school every day with people who are very fake. You don't stop sending your kids to school just because there's some fake people. You don't stop going to your work just because there's some problematic people. You still show up. We only use that as an excuse to relieve ourselves of the biblical responsibility by making ourselves some sort of holier-than-thou perspective. And really, we've approached a place of being no different than a Pharisee. Well... Church is a living organism. It's a community filled with imperfect people. And by the way, if you're looking for the perfect church, you're never going to find it because it becomes imperfect the moment you show up. There's no such, amen. There's no such thing as a perfect church. High praise included. We're not a perfect church. We strive to be as as excellent and as righteous and as holy and as godly as we can be. But you better believe because it is a church, a community, an organism that is comprised of imperfect people, there's going to be some imperfections because we are all being transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith to the image of Jesus. But nobody in this room has arrived there yet. Thusly, you have an imperfect church filled with imperfect people who simply love Jesus, are trying to become holy, that are pressing towards the mark of the high, uh, uh, the mark of the, the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus, and none of us are there yet. But you know what? Every time I show up, I get a little bit closer. Every time I gather around people of like precious faith, right? And by the way, sometimes you need to be around some imperfect people to knock some imperfection off of your own life. Because being around imperfect people and learning how to love them as Christ loved the church, being around imperfect people and learning how to let some things go and not smart off when somebody says something to you, That's part of becoming like Jesus. That's part of becoming in his image and in his likeness. It's part of allowing yourself to grow. And you better believe it's not just getting hands laid on you that stokes the fire of your heart, but it's loving people who are unlovely that will stoke the fire within your heart. It's serving other people that will stoke the fire in your heart. You have to understand the church, once again, is this living organism. It's not something just to spectate. Church isn't a religious show. 
It's a living organism, a community where God places you and places your life to see spiritual growth. Now, there's several things that happen whenever you show up to church that happen that are important. Several things that happen when you're in community that are important and they help to stoke the flame in your life. The first one is this. When you're in church, you hear the word, or at least you should hear the word. At high praise, you're going to hear the word, and that is important. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but you obviously should, obviously should be reading Scripture on a daily basis on your own time. But I believe there's something powerful that happens whenever we gather together with other believers, with a community, and we are hearing a word for us and for our community. I believe there's something powerful in that. Whenever we gather together and we hear the word preached, we hear the word taught together corporately in a community, there is something that begins to happen. Things begin to be unlocked. Not only that, I, I firmly believe this, and our, our, our staff who are here and a lot of our leaders who are here, they can tell you this. Um, we have two services. Neither service with what is ministered, whether it's me preaching or it's dad preaching, neither service is ever exactly the same why, what we preach. And I'll tell you why I believe that is. Because I believe from, from service to service, there are people in the room that need to hear certain things highlighted, that need to hear certain things that are brought to greater attention. And there's sometimes things that just come out of us prophetically, I believe, because of people that are in the room that need to hear certain things in certain moments. And the way, one of the ways that happens is whenever we gather together corporately, I believe this, God will tailor things for us. That he will bring a word for us. That there will be things we need to hear. Maybe not everything's for you, but there will be something for you. Maybe some things you go, well, I've heard that before. But there's going to be something that God speaks to you. Which, by the way, just because you've heard it before doesn't mean you don't need to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Not only that, whenever you're in school, whenever you begin to be taught things, they don't just teach you the principle once and then move on. They'll reinforce the same principles across multiple grade levels even. Because you need to hear some of these principles again and again and again. And you need to be reminded and you need to be grounded in those things. It's important for us to hear the word. It's important for us to be in church so we can worship with others. I love worshiping in my car. Any other car worshipers in the room? Most of y'all? Good chunk of y'all? I love worshiping in my car. We got any shower worshipers? All right. That's all the ones who can't sing. They just lifted their hands. <laughs> I love worshiping wherever I can. I love worshiping on my own individually. I love that. I love worshiping whenever I can, wherever I can. I love to worship. But once again, there's something that just stokes the fire of my heart in a different way. Whenever we gather and we worship together corporately, there's a synergy that begins to happen in worship as we begin to worship together, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000. I've told this story before about, about the horse pulling contest. And uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, so I'm gonna make up the numbers, but this is the basic idea. Um, there was a horse pulling contest, and in this contest, what they did is they had horses. I'd never heard of a horse pulling contest until I did some research on this. I don't even know how I found it, but I found it. It's a good story. And the, the horse that won first place pulled 2,500 pounds, okay? 
The horse that pulled second place pulled like 2,000 pounds. It was a little bit less. But then they took those two horses and they yoked them together. And they pulled something like 6,000 pounds together. Now math tells me this. If you take a horse that pulls 2,000 and a horse that pulls 2,500, they're going to pull what? 4,500. But they pulled significantly more than that when joined together because there's something about this principle of synergy that whenever you begin to link up with other people, with other things, that the sum becomes greater than its parts. It becomes even greater than what we thought it could be whenever you become linked with others. So your worship has power on your own, but it becomes greatly increased whenever you begin to worship with other people in spirit and in truth. There is an increase whenever you begin to do something with other people. There's synergistic power when we worship together as a family, as a community of people who love Jesus. Not only that, I believe whenever we worship together, we get a small glimpse into what heaven is like. Heaven is not just a solo worship session with you and Jesus. It is you with a multitude of others worshiping and people different than you. People who look different, people who sing different, people who act different, people who worship a little bit different, all coming together to worship. I believe that the, the church, when done rightly, becomes one of the greatest reflections of heaven on earth. And our worship sessions especially become one of the greatest reflections of heaven on earth. I'm so glad whenever I look around the room on a Sunday that it's not full of people who just look like me. I'm glad it's not just full of a bunch of white people. I'm glad it's not just full of a bunch of men. I'm especially glad of that. I'm glad it's not a church that's just full of people who are in their 30s. I'm glad whenever we look around, we have people who are, we have teenagers. We have people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Any 90s in the room? All right, all the way up into their 80s. We have white people. We have African Americans. We have Hispanics. We have all sorts of different nationalities and ethnicities together. That's what the church should be. The church should be a reflection of the community that it is within. Amen. Here's the next thing. To keep your fire, you have to function in the body. You have to function in the body. Shout function. All right. Ephesians 4.16 says this. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let me put it this way. You have something to give and you have a part to play. Whenever God brings you to a place, you have something to give and you have a part to play. When you play your part, when you give what God has given you, it soaks the fire of your heart. We have, let me say this first, burnout would be less of an issue if we would do things with the right heart to begin with. I'm going to say it again. Burnout would be less of an issue if we did things with the right heart to begin with. I don't have to serve. I get to serve. I don't have to minister. I'm blessed to minister. I understand that whenever I'm serving, it's not just I'm having to do something. It's I'm ministering into somebody's life and breathing life into them. But it's also breathing life into me because I'm functioning in the way God called me to function. I'm serving in the way that God called me to serve. 
I was talking to Pastor Garrett about this before service. There's a lot of people that our perspective on what we need to do in order to have life in our spirit man, in order to keep the fire burning in our lives, is we need to receive something. And by the way, I'm all about that. God has something for you to receive. But oftentimes it's not just, the fire isn't soaked just by what we receive, but also what we give. The Dead Sea is actually a really good example. The Dead Sea has several uh, bodies of water that flow into it. If you know the Dead Sea, it has a really high salinity to it. And there's several reasons for that. One being some of the rocks and the formations, but there's also this issue of there is a lot that flows into the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out. And because nothing flows out, it fosters an environment where nothing can live. When nothing flows out of you, when you're not serving and functioning in the way God called you to serve and function, if you let that go on for long enough, it begins to create an ecosystem, if you will, in your heart where life cannot exist. Sometimes people are saying, I feel dry, I feel dead, and I need to get something. And sometimes that's true. But sometimes it's not that you need to get another word. It's that you need to give of what God has already given you. It says you need to find an outflow, right? It says you need to find somewhere to plug in and be, and be productive and begin to serve other people and minister to other people and let what God has poured into you begin to pour out of you because nobody was intended to just receive, 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 and never give. We have all been made as people to give, to sow, to do something, to be active, to minister to somebody else to keep your fire you've got to function sometimes you aren't feeling dry because you need another word you're feeling dry because you need to give of what you've already received in today's world it's easy to receive it's really easy to receive right there are 8 billion podcasts that you can receive from there is more worship music that's more readily available than there has ever been. You can find somebody. You come to church here, every service, there can be somebody who will pray with you, that will lay hands on you, that will minister to you if you need it. It is easy to receive in today's world. There's a lot of places you can receive from. And by the way, this as a side note, you shouldn't receive from every river just because it's available. And you shouldn't receive from every stream just because it's available. Just because it says it's of God doesn't necessarily mean it is. And just because even if it is of God doesn't mean it's healthy for you in a season. We'll talk about that some other time. But oftentimes there's so much that we can receive and we get really excited about receiving. What would happen if we got just as excited about serving as we did about receiving? What if we got just as excited about giving as we did receiving? What if we got just as excited about somebody else being blessed rather than us just being blessed again. I'm telling you, whenever you begin to give, whenever you begin to serve, whenever you begin to do something, it stokes the fire of your heart. Last thing for, for, for this point, and I'm gonna move on to one more real quick. Let your fire be stoked by encouraging one another. You never know what an encouraging word is going to do for someone. You never know what just being pleasant and kind to somebody is gonna do for their life. You don't know the person who walked through the doors who was going through something and you gave them simply a kind, encouraging word of how are you doing today? It's good to see you, love you. So blessed, been praying for you this week. What that does for their life can be absolutely world-changing.
Don't ever underestimate the power of encouraging one another. If, let me say it this way. If the majority of ministry that goes on in this place on Sunday is being done from here, we aren't fully doing what we're called to do as the church. Because there should be just as much ministry going on out there as is going on up here. There should be just as much ministry loving on each other, encouraging one another, standing with one another as what goes on up here. There should be ministry that goes on all over this room on Sunday. There's ministry in every conversation that transpires. There's ministry in every aspect of what we do. At a certain point, we have to stop viewing ministry as a microphone. Ministry isn't just a microphone. Ministry is everything we do. I want to minister. There's babies that need to be ministered to this morning. I want to minister. There's some kids who need to be ministered to this morning. I want to minister. There's people coming through the doors that need somebody to tell them, hey, we love you. And Jesus loves you. Is there anything we can do for you? There's ministry that is going on every day. There was ministry that went on on, went on, on Wednesday when we walked across the street in a billion degree heat and prayed over doors. There was ministry that went on whenever we bagged up cookies and delivered them to high schools. There is ministry in every aspect of what we do. Ministry isn't a microphone. Ministry is being faithful to do what God has called you to do and pour out from the place that he's called you to pour out and being faithful to do that. And by the way, being faithful to do it without an attitude. You're called to encourage and be an encourager of others. A text can be nice, a phone call is great, a DM is wonderful, but there's nothing like being face-to-face -face with people and somebody encouraging you and giving you a positive word, amen? Now, last thing, last thing, or I'm kind of shifting to a different perspective. We can come in church, we can be a community, we can be all of that, but if we don't develop a lifestyle of devotion and it stops whenever we leave here, the fire will equally be extinguished in our lives. I'm a pastor. I believe in the community of the church. But if you can't develop that lifestyle devotion, you'll never keep your fire going. It's not devotion or church attendance. The answer is yes. I get so irritated when people try to pit things in the kingdom of God against one each other. Well, you don't need devotion. You just need to be in church. Well, I don't need the church. I've got a relationship with God personally. You need both. It's not pick or choose. You need a lifestyle of devotion and you need to be in community. You need to pray by yourself and you need to pray with the church. You need to read the word by yourself and you need to hear the word preached to you. You need to worship by yourself and you need to worship in community. The fire on the altar was to be kept burning for daily sacrifices, not just Sunday and Wednesday sacrifices. Part of living that lifestyle of devotion is you were offering up a sacrifice every single day. If your worship lifestyle is confined to 30 to 40 minutes of worship on Sunday, you're going to let the fire on the altar of your heart die out. You need to offer a daily sacrifice of praise. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I, what I'm saying, I said it earlier, if you, whenever you're driving in your car, instead of listening to the latest Joe Rogan podcast... Instead of listening to whatever your favorite kind of music is, instead of listening to Morgan Wallen, maybe you turn on some worship music and you take a moment and you praise God in the middle of your car. 
Maybe you actually take some time to worship the Lord, not just when Pastor Castle or whenever Miranda's up here leading you. Maybe you take a moment and you worship God where you are. You become one of those parent pickup line praisers. You got plenty of time. I've seen the lines. I don't know how long they are. You got kids you're picking up from school. I know how long those lines are. Why don't you turn up some music and you worship your way through the line instead of yelling at everybody and complaining about them? If we would worship more, we would complain a lot less. If we would praise more, we would become a lot less frustrated with situations. I've got to do this just within my own life. If I feel myself getting testy, I've got to turn on something different. Whenever I feel myself getting frustrated, maybe it's time to turn whatever I might be listening to down, my Florida State football podcast down, and turn on some worship music instead. Y'all with me? You have to understand, it's the old proverbial thing, with every finger that's pointed at you, I've got three back pointed at me. I'm preaching to myself this morning too. I don't always hit the mark just because I'm a pastor, just because I'm a minister. Sometimes we need to preach it ourselves, and I'm preaching to myself a little bit, feeling convicted. You turn off the podcast and turn on some worship. You become a shower worship leader and you sing as loud as you can. Nobody else can hear you. It's fine. Don't matter if you're off key. Develop a lifestyle of worship. Don't just stop at worship though. Sometimes we do worship really well because it's fun. It's easy. It's energetic. It's lively. It's emotional. But have you developed a discipline of prayer in your devotion life? Notice I say this. Have you developed a discipline of prayer? Have you disciplined yourself to where every day you can have time carved out where you pray? And this is what we frequently do. This is what we do. I don't have an hour. I didn't ask you if you had an hour. I asked you, have you developed a discipline of prayer? Oftentimes, this is what we do. We don't do the simple because we feel like we have to do the grandiose. You don't have to take an hour to pray. What you need to do is you need to carve out five minutes. Everybody's got five minutes. Well, pastor, I don't have time. You will have time for whatever you want to have time for. The I don't have time excuse is one of the lamest excuses that we make frequently. I don't have time. You will have time for whatever you want to make time for. Everybody in this room has things that you intentionally carve out time for. We're getting close to football season. And the church said... I heard you, Gage. We're getting close to football season. All right. This has become a shout-out session now. It's getting close to football season. And in football season, I know that on Saturday, there's going to be like three to three and a half hours that I'm going to carve out every Saturday to sit and watch my team play. And I don't care what else is going on. That time... Is sacred. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Right? And if I can't watch the game, I'm going to be following the game somehow. I'll never forget, Travis and Kat committed a cardinal sin. And they got married the day of Florida State Clemson. What, how many years ago was that? Almost eight years ago. And I remember sitting about where they're sitting right now. And Tra Travis's brother had literally an earpiece in <laughs> on the stage as a groomsman to listen to the game. 
Yeah, dad was doing the wedding, and at one point he said, what's the score of the game? Y'all think I'm playing, I'm telling the truth. His brother was on the stage looking at me going, seven, zero. Right? Something I value. I, I take, and there's only, there's only 12 games a year, excluding any sort of postseason play. There's 12 games a year, 12 Saturdays a year. I'm going to make that count. Right? I'm going to make sure that if I can't watch them, I'm going to be out of town the day that Florida State plays LSU. I'm going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've already told Miranda, I was like, I've got to find a TV. I don't care what else is going on. I was actually planning on driving back that Sunday night, but those plans changed because I realized if I was driving back, I was going to have to miss the game. So I'm staying in Knoxville on Sunday night so I can watch the game. Said all that to say, you will make time for what's valuable to you and to your life. Don't tell me you can't find five minutes in your schedule to pray every day. You have to keep the fire on the altar burning. And one of the ways you do that is with prayer. Jude one twenty says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You say you don't know what to pray. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can take five minutes a day and pray in the Spirit. You'll find your days a lot better when you do. By the way, you'll find that your Sunday's a lot better whenever you do. Because whenever you've kept the fire on your heart burning throughout the week, you don't have to show up Sunday and wait through halfway through worship for the flame to be ignited in your heart again. Begin to develop a discipline to pray. What if you took time to actually read your Bible? And I don't mean just simply read something so you could check it off a list out of some sort of obligation. But what if you actually begin to read the Bible and pray and say, God, I want you to illuminate truth to me. God, give me fresh revelation and fresh eyes to see. If you start your day with prayer, with praise, and with scripture, I promise you, your day will be a lot better. If you start your day with devotion, maybe you can't start your day. End your day with it. Find time. I don't care if it's in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. Find time to have devotional time with the Lord, to have relationship with him. You can't have relationship with him if you never speak to him. If you never talk to him. Listen, I'm closing with this thought. You don't necessarily need another conference, another speaker, another revival, another prophetic word, somebody else to lay hands on you. You need to develop some discipline in your life to keep the fire going. Get in church. Don't just attend, but sow, encourage, give, receive. Allow God to move in your life. Develop devotion and watch what happens when you do these things. The fire on the altar of your heart will stay lit. You will stay on fire for God. You don't have to wait for the next conference so you can get on fire for God. Your consistent daily disciplines will keep the fire on your heart burning. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? I hope you got something out of this today. I know it's not a run around the, listen, I know it's not a run around the room and shout message, but if you implement the principles, it'll make you run around the room and shout on the other side. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to pray with me this morning. Say, Father God, I thank you today that I'm going to keep the fire on my heart burning through daily discipline, through consistency, through applying the word. The fire on the altar of my heart will stay burning. 
I repent for any area of my life where I've allowed the fire to die. And I say this morning, I'm gonna fan the flame. I'm gonna stoke the fire. And I'm gonna be on fire for you, Lord. I'm gonna be in church. I'm gonna be in community. I'm gonna give from what you've given me. I'm gonna worship with my brothers and sisters. I'm gonna receive of the word for me. I'm gonna have a devotional lifestyle. I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna read the word. And I'm gonna burn for you, mighty God. I thank you for it today. And I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Will you Lord a hand of praise this morning? So I'll give him praise. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.